The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the nations of this world are always going to fuss and fight about who gets to be where and how they're supposed to get there and what they're supposed to do or not do and what happens if they break the rules. But here's the question that I'm interested in and I'd invite you to be interested in as well. What is the Christ follower's posture toward those who are here, who are in our midst, who are our neighbors? What role do we play in introducing them to Jesus? And Platt reminds us with this quote that God oversees all the great migrations of people groups. I mean, if you rewind in your mind through history, what you recognize, even in the pages of Scripture, is that God directs these great migrations of people. He does it by um, sending Joseph to Egypt. And so Israel sort of rises up in Egypt. And then God flips the script and he brings Israel out of Egypt. A couple million people moving all at once uh, to a new place. He does it in the New Testament when persecution strikes the church and the church scatters from that central location in Jerusalem to all over the Roman world. And in doing so, the gospel spreads all around the world. God moves his people around to accomplish great good for the kingdom. I think you can make a strong argument that um, the United States of America was a great migration of people, uh, many of whom seeking uh, religious toleration and the ability to worship as they see fit. God often moves his people around the globe to orchestrate uh, kingdom work uh, all over the place. I mean, you have to at least pause and ask the question, where would you and I be without any of those migrations that we just talked about? Would, what would have been true of Israel? What would have been true of the church? What would be true in our own country today? But what's interesting to me is all of those are kind of, in some ways, God moving believers to a place maybe where there were unbelievers. But one of the most intriguing things about the current migrations that we see is that it seems like God is moving people toward Christians. That he's taking a lot of people maybe who are far from Jesus and he is causing them to migrate to places where there are a lot of followers of Christ. You know, Houston is a well-churched city. And we have to ask the question, Why is it that it is one of the most popular places in the United States of America for refugees to settle? And maybe that's just a political thing with a settlement agency somewhere. Maybe. Or maybe God is up to something in our midst. Maybe you don't know these statistics about our city, but 1.2 million people live in Houston that weren't born in the United States of America. There are over 350 different people groups in our city. 350 different people groups. And I read somewhere once 
Now I'm pretty sure this is right. That if the Houston metro area were a country, it would be the sixth most diverse country in the world. Am I close? Is that right? That's insane. <laughs> That's crazy that we live in a place like that. Vietnamese is the third most spoken language in Texas. Most people don't know that. About 20% of non-native-born residents in our city are from Asia. When I moved here, I thought I was going to see cowboy hats and cowboy boots and just eat a lot of Mexican food. Like, I thought it was just oil people and cowboy. Like, I thought that's all it was when I moved here. And then you get around the city and you realize how rich and diverse it is. Sugarland is more popular in Pakistan and India than it is in the United States. That's the truth. I have been in India and asked people if they've heard of Sugarland, and they say yes. So we have this great migration of people to our city, to our neighborhood. We all have neighbors on our street that weren't born here, their families aren't from here, but they've migrated here. Why? Why? Jobs, okay. Education, okay. Opportunity, okay. But why? Why is this happening where we live? You know, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures in the Bible that communicate God's passion for all nations. Not a nation, all of them. In Genesis, we read that the Messiah will be a blessing to all nations. Genesis 12, 3, God talking, I will also bless those who bless you to Abraham and further you in your journey, and I'll trip up those who try to trip you along the way. Through your descendants, and that's a messianic reference, all of the families of the earth will find their blessing in you. All of the families of the earth. Other translations say all peoples of the earth. You flip over to Genesis 18. God's talking to Abraham again. And in verse 18 of that chapter, he says it again. Abraham will become the father of a great and powerful nation and all the other nations of the earth will find their blessing in him. He's prophesying the idea that the Jewish people will be a light to the Gentiles as well, that the Jews are special in God's heart, but they're special for a purpose, and that is to reveal who God is to everyone else because they're special to God too. In Genesis 22, just one more example from the very first book of the Bible. In Genesis 22, verse 18, we read, From your descendants all the peoples of the earth will discover true blessing. All this is because you have obeyed my voice. So from the very first book in our scripture, we see that God has a heart for all nations. Not a nation, but all nations. And all throughout the scripture, we read that again and again. And when you flip all the way back to the back and you get to the book of Revelation, we see that God hasn't changed his tune. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, 
It says, after I heard about these who would be sealed, I looked and saw a huge crowd of people, which no one could even begin to count, representing every nation and tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and waving palm branches. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. In Houston, if you go to the grocery store and listen, that's the sound of heaven that we have to look forward to. Um, God is bringing the nations right to us. One more example from the last chapter of Scripture, Revelation 15, verse 14. Uh, Just to drive home this point a bit more. Not 14, verse 4. There is no verse 14, so that would be really difficult to read. Who will not fear you, Lord? Who will not glorify your name? Because you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous judgments have been revealed. In Revelation, we read that all the nations, all the languages, all the people groups will be present around the throne of God. In between Genesis and Revelation, we see it again and again that Israel and that the church are both meant to be a light to all nations. So what what are we doing here today? You know, sometimes people ask me an interesting question which is what is your greatest fear about the church in America? And there are a lot of possible answers to that question. Just read a blog or two. You can find some opinions. Here's mine. My greatest fear for the church in America is that God would bring the unreached people of the world to our doorstep and we'd slam the door in their face. That's my biggest one. And so what would it look like if we were to open the door? What could we do? How would we answer and welcome if we wanted to? That is why I am so excited uh, to introduce Uh, to you today, my friends from Prestige Learning Institute. If you could start from scratch and design something that would welcome people to our country, that would in a relational way attach them to community, in a practical way equip them to live in America, and in a spiritual and theological way, and in a very missionally sensitive way, begin to tell the good news about Jesus. If you would build that from scratch, what you would build is, is PLI. Uh, I've had the great opportunity to work with them uh, over the years in various ways, youth ministry world, nonprofit world, uh, different things that uh, we've had the chance to partner in and it is just a beautiful, beautiful work. So we're going to spend another 15 or 20 minutes, um, and I'm going to interview them. Uh, but while we prepare uh, for that, let me introduce uh, you to their great work with this video. Check it out. 
Houston is home to thousands of immigrant and refugee families. Many of these families lack access to culturally sensitive, high-quality English classes to help them integrate into the U.S. With so many immigrants and refugees coming to Houston, there is a great opportunity as followers of Jesus to fulfill God's command to love others by extending hospitality and grace. In 2012, a group of believers identified a lack of engagement between the church and the immigrant and refugee community. They began seeking God and brainstorming possible solutions to this problem. It became clear there was a need for English classes for this community, and so the group decided to form Prestige Learning Institute. Prestige Learning Institute exists to foster community development and open doors of opportunity for adult immigrants and refugees. We accomplish this by providing culturally appropriate and affordable education initiatives, including English as a Second Language classes and career development services that empower our students and mentees to advance personally, academically, and economically. We want to see holistic change in this community as God moves in the heart of the church to radically love immigrants and refugees by sacrificially committing to relationships with them and courageously speaking the truth. As we get connected into relationships with immigrants and refugees, we are able to bestow value upon them by listening to their stories and praying for their physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Our prayer is that all immigrants and refugees would know that God sees them, cares for them, hears them, and wants a relationship with them. Beautiful. Well, let me uh, introduce you, starting uh, with Michael Obringer here to the team. Uh, Michael and his wife, Danielle, uh, and then Sandra Lee. You, you did the, oh, he didn't quite pronounce it right thing. How do you say it? It's Lay. Lay. My apologies. Uh, now, I spoke at a keynote for PLI three months ago, something like that, and uh, was it in prayer or when I was thanking you, I referred to Danielle as Michelle, which I think it was in prayer, which is the worst possible offense. The only worst one I can think of is I had a, a youth ministry friend one time that was baptizing a girl and he had also <laughs> baptized her sister. And when he baptized her, he called her by her sister's name, thereby uh, eliminating the possibility for salvation in that baptism. <laughs> Uh, so, but in prayer, I called uh, Danielle Michelle, which I felt terrible about and profusely apologized for. But I've nailed it so far today, Danielle. We're doing okay. So, uh, Michael and Danielle, why don't you get us started and just, you know, the video does a great job of making an introduction, but tell us what PLI is in a, in a sentence or two. Well, PLI is a faith-based nonprofit, 501c3, that loves uh, immigrants and refugees, um, and we do this through ESL classes and career mentoring. Awesome. And uh, just piggybacking off of that, the two of you have been along the whole ride, right? You were there from the start. Uh, tell us how that work got started um, and a little bit about where you are located in town relative to where we are today. Well, in 2012, a group of like-minded believers came together and said, hey, there needs to be a way for the church to connect with the Muslim community. And this community also needs access to English as a second language. And how do we do those two things? 
And that's when the group reached out to Michael and I and asked if we would uh, lead this little start, Prestige Learning Institute, to see what does God have for us. Let's try this out. Let's give it a go and see if we can get the church to connect with the Muslim community through offering English as a second language. So we started in 2012, and currently we're located at 6656 Hornwood Drive, which is right behind the CarMax on 59 and between Bel Air and Hillcroft. Right on. Uh, is that where you always have been located? Where, where did you start? Same, same neighborhood, right? Uh, yeah, we started in the same neighborhood. We were in Baker Ripley Neighborhood Centers, That's so right. uh, they donated space for us. Very and cool. then we have been in different locations since then, but have been in that location since 2014. Okay. Um, and I've been there, man, it is a beautiful thing. We took students down one time for Thanksgiving feast uh, and we got to eat like traditional American food, but also the students brought food from their countries. Uh, we ate good. We ate good that day. Sandra, tell us a little bit about what you do, how you got connected uh, with the good work of PLI. Yeah, so my name is Sandra Lay, and I... <laughs> Spit I've gotten take. so used to saying we because, um, you know... Um, America. You just won. <laughs> yeah, you won over the whole crowd by calling me out. Good job. Um, but I um, am the volunteer coordinator at um, PLI. Actually, got connected through um, my um, missions pastor at my church. And a year ago, I wasn't at PLI. I um, had a desire to move overseas and was getting ready for that. Um, I had a long desire of uh, being amongst people that had never heard the gospel before in the unreached. And so um, I was working at a coffee shop and <laughs> take, also taking a course called Encountering the World of Islam. And so I was learning so much stuff um, during that time. And I was like, what am I going to do with all this knowledge? And so I kind of wandered in like a mosque across the street from my house. <laughs> and told my missions pastor about it. And she was like, why don't I connect you with people that know people already? And so connected me with PLI. And um, yeah, that's how I got connected. I um, didn't feel like a deep call to teach English or even be a volunteer coordinator, but the desire of seeing people that maybe didn't have access to the gospel before, hear about Jesus um, was there and the vision was there. So seeing what it was like to be faithful in Houston um, with the desires that he's given me. Yeah, cool. Danielle, tell us a little bit about who your students are, um, where they come from, how they land here. Yeah, out of the 350 people groups that are in Houston, we currently serve 40 of those people groups yeah. at Prestige Learning Institute, and through that they speak 20 different languages. So. That means that we have people from all throughout the Middle East, North Africa, through Asia, um, people from Pakistan, Afghanistan. We actually have a lot of students from Afghanistan right now. Their husbands served in the military um, with the United States, and that put a target on their back. And so they came as special immigrants uh, through special immigrant visas to the United States. And um, many of these women, unfortunately, did not have educational opportunities in Afghanistan. And so you can imagine how hard it is to learn a new language. Imagine trying to learn that language when you can't read and write in your own language and you've never been to school before. So we have an opportunity to reach out to a population that 
um, is um, undereducated in the sense that they are um, receiving education for the first time. And then we also have people who were doctors and pharmacists and lawyers in their countries, and they want to get back into their industries, but they can't do that without the language skills. Gotcha. So my understanding is most of the students are female. So Michael, tell us a little bit about the men in these families and how you guys have managed to connect with them and serve them. Yeah, so as Danielle said, many of the men that we connect with, um, are, they served our military in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so they served as translators and they helped with um, the cultural nuances and the language as our military was serving over in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so what we do with men, we have a men's uh, mentoring program. So what we do is we sit down with them and we find out what their goals are, whether they're career goals or educational goals or um, other types of personal goals. Um, and then we connect them with a man from the church um, to help them reach those goals. And in that, the relationship uh, that is formed there, that's how the gospel can be shared and um, sown. Right on. Um, so we've got language, we've got mentoring, there's other components there. Sandra, talk a little bit about, you know, if somebody in our community wanted to connect with the work that you're doing, you know, what are the needs? How, how would we plug in to serve well uh, with what you guys already have going on? Yeah, thank you for even starting that conversation sure. to connect the church and Ecclesia to our community. Um, so we want to use the passion and desires that, that you guys have too and the talents that the Lord's given you guys. So that can be collectively or individually. There's a lot of different ways that you can plug in at, at PLI. So um, praying is very important, not only to our personal lives, but at PLI, there's a lot of spiritual warfare that goes on and um, having groups to come and, and pray for the community is really impactful. Um, what's, hmm, provide, okay, I was like, what's the next one? Provide, um, so uh, we have childcare workers that we employ from the community and um, we are offering them um, CDA training. And so um, we still need a little more funds for helping um, them with the CDA training. And so that helps them with their um, career and with better serving the community in that way. Um, and then participate. So volunteering, being a part of the classes, uh, if you have a desire to um, teach, or um, right now we have a huge need for male mentors. We have a lot of men that um, need to be connected and um, to integrate into society well. And then um, promote, great. promote. Um, so connecting with us, but also telling other people about PLI and um, them connecting yeah. with us too. I got a follow-up question for you, so don't pass that down. The, the promote piece is interesting to me because, and I, look, I love these guys. I lo I've seen their work. I believe in it. You get all that. But I really do think this is one of the best kept secrets in our city. I really do. And so I, I would encourage you on the way out, grab stuff. If, if you're not feeling God stirring in you on this, or if it's the wrong part of town that you don't live close, if it doesn't fit for you, you know somebody it might fit for. So I think that's a huge piece. But talk, and maybe this is for you or maybe it's for Michael, but 
what, what is the, I mean, I understand the mentoring thing is important, but what does that mean? Like if I were going to mentor a guy, what are you really asking me to do? Well, so what I would ask you to do is to um, connect. So what we would do is we would meet this guy and we would try to find out kind of some of his desires and um, goals. And then we would try to connect him with someone in the church that could help him with that, that might be in that industry or might know something about that. Um, that's not always going to be sure. the case, but at least um, each person that we would connect him with would be able to research and find out how do I do the next step of this application or doing this or that. So, so a lot of it's vocational. Uh, a lot of it is vocational. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, getting better at job uh, interviewing gotcha. and resumes and knowing the nuances of the different, uh, you know, how, how you dress and that you come mm -hmm. how, be on time and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so a lot of different cultural differences mm -hmm. working through. Um, so what we would do is just basically connect you guys and then you go get coffee or meet at their house or your house or at PLI and um, just get to know each other and try to help make a plan yeah. for the next steps. Because a lot of times they need a lot of help with um, planning out how to yep. get from one place yep. to another. Yeah. If, if only we had some high capacity business people in our church who were good at making friends. I don't know if we have any of those. Uh, good luck. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, okay, so I'm glad we still have time because I think the question I'm about to ask you is the most important question I'm going to ask you. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant that serves food, you know, Pakistani food, Afghani food, Indian food? Give us some tips. Okay. We like to eat around here. Yes, uh, there are a lot of great restaurants, but if I had to pick a favorite, it would be Afghan Village. I totally agree. Yes, it's on Hillcroft. Just Have you guys heard of this, Afghan Village? You ever eaten there? It's on Hillcroft, just south of 59, okay. and on Fridays, they have a buffet, so you can try everything um, for a lunch. It's a lunch buffet. Okay. You can try everything that they, most everything that they offer. Beautiful. I ate something there with you once that did not look like it was going to set my mouth on fire. But it did. It hurt. It hurt. Well, I'm a sissy, so that might have been the issue, too. I'm sorry. Danielle, go ahead. Um, I actually don't eat a lot in the restaurants in the community because nothing beats a home-cooked meal. So my challenge to you would be to come to one of our special events where students are bringing their own food and make friends make with the best cook. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, for example, my friend from Pakistan has told me, any Pakistani food you want, I will make it. Do not go to the restaurants. Don't they go to the restaurant. Good. Mm -hmm. um, nothing really beats a home-cooked meal, but yeah. um, also Drewby's is a nice little tucked away um, meat shop and uh, Mediterranean store that's on Hillcroft, a little bit down past Afghan Village, and it's also a great place to connect. Yeah. You were shaking your head on Drewby's. Yeah, I was shaking, yes. Yeah. So Drewby's is mine. She stole my favorite one in that community, but the other side of 59, there's Chinatown, so I mean, there's a whole street full of great food. It's not there. so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mala Sichuan is very good. Where's Mala Sichuan? We have a fan. Okay, right on, Miranda. Right on. Yeah, amen. Um, okay, one more. Um, tell us something about the people that you serve that might surprise us. I'll throw that out there to whoever wants to answer it. Uh, one thing I think that surprises people pretty often is that they're very lonely. 
Um, I think people in the United States tend to think, oh, well, they live in an apartment complex where everybody else also speaks their language, or uh, they have uh, other people from their family groups here. And that's true, but um, they've been forced to migrate, and most of the time, the rest of their family is overseas, and so they're incredibly hungry for relationship. Mm -hmm. They really desire to interact with Americans. They want to visit an American's home. Most of them have not had that opportunity. And they're really hungry for a relationship with people that are at the next stage of life ahead of them because oftentimes their parents are overseas and they don't have uh, parents or grandparents that are here that can help teach them how to parent their children and uh, how to just live life. Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, to piggyback off what Danielle said that um, PLI volunteers are uh, a lot of times the very first Americans that they've befriended or that they have a close relationship with and the very first American homes that they've been in hmm. or that have been in their home. So I don't know, that that's yeah. su is surprising to a lot of people. Yeah, that's, that's surprising to me. And I think it just speaks to the importance of relational investment. We talked about that last week, this idea that sometimes it's easier to write the check, right? And send it and, hey, keep up the good work. But there's a relational component to who we're called to be uh, that is so much a part of what this team uh, is doing. They got a little rooting section right here. Um, that it's just so, uh, it's such a good fit for us. So I want to encourage you, you know, after our gathering today, uh, the three of them will be outside. Uh, grab a cup of coffee on your way out and linger a bit. Ask uh, more questions. But would you show your appreciation to uh, these folks? Will you take your chairs? So I'm just, I'm just struck with this question again of like, if God is overseeing the great migration of people for his purposes, and if we live in a place where he seems to be bringing people who are far from him, who've never heard about him um, in their own language, if he's bringing them to our doorstep, how do we engage? How do we engage those people? Is there a more important work that we could be a part of than to share the gospel with unreached people in, in a really tangible and warm way. Um, I just encourage you to wrestle with that. Um, and over the coming weeks, we'll introduce you to some other opportunities. Uh, but I'm hoping that this is one that we can really kind of throw some weight behind, uh, build some relationships, uh, and join in what God is already doing through some, some great partners. Uh, as we come to... Uh, the table of, of communion uh, this week. Uh, let me pray for us uh, as we kind of approach this feast, uh, this celebration with all these things on our mind. God, thank you uh, for your good work in our lives, uh, for your work in the lives of our neighbors. And we know that because of these migrations of people that our neighbors don't all speak our language. They don't all look exactly the same. But we also know that the good news is for all nations and all people groups and all ethnicities. 
And we know that we've been given that good news in order to point people uh, toward it and toward you. And we know that uh, when we celebrate the great feast in heaven, um, that we will do that among brothers and sisters who speak every language. And so today, as we approach this feast, we do so in unity. Uh, we do so in celebration. We do so remembering the great gift of Jesus. And so I pray your blessing upon this bread, and upon this cup, and upon all those that partake today in this space, uh, in other spaces in our city, in spaces where the language is different, in spaces all around the world. Uh, and we pray that more people would be invited to this table through our lives and through us being good neighbors to those around us. We pray in Jesus' good name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org. 